You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways, shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results. Made just for us. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip to the professional-grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girlbomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb, available at Walgreens. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Did Cool Stuff, your weekly reminder that it's worth fighting for shit sometimes. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy, and with me today is the one and only Francesca Fiorentini. Francesca, how are you? I'm good. You know, uh, I need need the show. I I think I'm feeling like I need the show. (laughs) I need to remember the bravery, the heroism, the fact that Things have always been bad, and there have always been people standing up to it. Um, and yeah, fighting the power and fucking the patriarchy. So yeah, I'm here for that. Yay! Yeah, usually <laughs> we pretend like we recorded on a different day. This time we're actually recording on a different day. And like you all in the future will know more details than us, but there was like yet another mass shooting yesterday, and everyone's really in a terrible mood. Yeah. And so I was like, all I want to do is. Well, all I really want to do is go work on my truck or whatever. <laughs> like, forget about the world. <laughs> but hanging out with cool, weird pacifists in history who fight the FBI, yeah. I think that'll help, too. Our producer, Sophie. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Magpie. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our audio engineer is Ian. Everyone say hi to Ian. No. Just kidding. Hi, Ian. Hi, Ian. What's up, Ian? Hi, Ian. Our theme music was written for us by Unwoman. I have no idea if she listens regularly or not, so I have no strong reason to say hi to her, in which case you're listening. Unless you're listening, in which case, hi, Unwoman. So where we left off, everyone's really fucking mad about government repression and the government killing people in Vietnam. And lots of people are starting to do stuff about it. And some of those people, they're pacifists, and they're not rioting, but they're not doing nothing either. Mm. And one of them is a guy named William Davidson, is who we're going to a little bit tie everything together with. Let's do it. Tie it. Yeah. I already got his name wrong. His name's William Davidson. There's no S in his name. Uh, my brain reads the name Davidson and adds the S, and I had to later go back through and find replace my whole script. I've never heard that name, but I feel like he's going to be cool, so there's a reason there's no S in it. Yeah, yeah. Is the furthest thing from the SS. Yes. 
William Davidson is primarily a physicist and a teacher. Like there's a physics thing named after him, which I do not understand the slightest of. I tried reading about it, but literally none of the nouns were nouns that my high school science education included. Oh, God. So he's a science guy. Uh, so we'll just get even more weird Breaking Bad people going in more interesting directions than actual Breaking Bad. Yeah, seriously. Less selfish directions as we've laid out in episode one, part one, I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm still holding out for the Walter White just makes napalm and gives it to pacifists. <laughs> so David and William, he's a pacifist and he's a progressive activist and he's a secular Jew. And if you need to find this guy, he's either going to be studying physics or helping run the local chapter of the ACLU. He's like, I feel like you can get a picture of this guy with that information, you know? Like, you've, you've met sure. this guy. You don't suspect him of committing large numbers of felonies. No, but, but, but they do it with, like, a smile, you know? Like, you have, you know, you have a wonderful day, you know what I mean? I'm just going to yeah. commit, you know, t- trespassing and a couple of light misdemeanors and felonies and... Yeah, exactly. What not? And he gets called mild-mannered a lot. And I think this absolutely helped him get never get caught for pulling off one of the greatest heists in American history. Although the one thing I found about him, he managed to have kids with at least three different women. Mm. And he's also really famous for telling really, really boring long jokes while committing crimes. Oh, I love this. I know. I was like gonna, at one I thought point, you were going in mm-hmm. like like while making love to these people. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, that's how he reeled really them in. Really boring long the... <laughs> Like, shut up and get inside me, please. Please stop. And <laughs> Are you, you finished? No, no I mean it both ways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please finish. <laughs> yeah. Just struggling with the condom. I don't know how. You know, there well. You ever hear the one about the condom? And uh, like, shut up. Don't even use it. Damn it. We're fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly how it happened. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm not going to like stake my reputation on the fact that he had, that was in my perusal of his personal life, which is largely left out of these histories. That's what I came up with. If I'm wrong, sorry, his descendants. Yeah. The Davidins. Yeah. It pays Davidins. You know what I'm saying? To be part of the <laughs> Davidins. All right. Let's, that's a short bad joke. So... Yeah, that's and that's more my speed, especially if you're hiding in a closet during a raid on a draft board. Like, literally, people would be hiding in a closet because they'd be in the middle of raiding a draft board to burn stuff, and he would tell some awful joke, and you can't do anything about it. You're a captive audience in, like, every possible way. Love that. Yeah. So, in 1966, I think before he's a burglar, I, I know it's before he's a burglar. He goes with a delegation of U.S. pacifists to talk in South Vietnam. Mm. And it went well. They met with Buddhists and Catholics alike who were like, fuck yeah, let's stop this war. This war sucks. Until they had a final press conference. And at this co- press conference, it got interrupted. First, students would throw eggs at them, not because he told a boring joke, as far as I can tell, but I'm not going to rule it out. And then cops came and busted up the, the meeting. And everyone's shouting shit the whole time. Like, if you're not with us, you're against us. Both the, like, students and the cops. Who are, like, weirdly similarly sim- similar vibe about how they're disrupting it. So then they get outside the conference. And as soon as they get outside, both the cops and the students, like, drop the anger and are like, 
Sorry, we, we got told we had to do that. The military police made us disrupt you and throw eggs at you and stuff. You're, you're fine with us. Nothing personal. Anyway, we're off the yeah. clock now. So uh, you want to grab a drink? It was a great spot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Only instead, the next day, the Vietnamese police were like, no, nah, we're going to drive you to the airport, whether you like it or not. Goodbye. Uh-oh. So he gets deported from Vietnam unceremoniously. Not before like fathering at least one child and telling a yeah, few bad probably. jokes that, that the, the South Vietnamese still tell to this day. It's the one about the country. Right. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just terrible fuckboys everywhere use this yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah, yes, indeed. <laughs> no, no, he's, he's going to be... Look, first of all, he's mild-mannered. He can't be held accountable for anything, all right? He's a good guy. He's mild-mannered. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why the the David in effect has a disambiguation page on Wikipedia between the joke about condoms in order to not use them, right, and the like science thing. Yeah, <laughs> so he gets home. Uh, he tells one joke, lasts the whole flight. He gets home and he starts working to try and stop the war. But except he's actually a good guy. I'm I, like, there's actually literally nothing wrong with like as long as everyone's consenting. I, I don't care how many people you have kids with or whatever, right? Um, he keeps up his teaching, and he also keeps up his share of raising his two kids with his wife. Okay. And all the hours that went into anti-war shit, he's still, like... Like, half the men I've profiled on this show get so involved in their activism that they just, like, fucking ditch their kids and their wife and shit. Right. You know? And so, like, it it actually really stands out to me that he's, like, an all right guy. Totally. Of all of them, you know? he, like, took responsibility. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice change. I know. And so more people should be like David in this particular, that particular part of it. Actually, a lot of it. He's actually, I mean, there's a reason he's on this show. So most of that work was at first with a group called Resistance. And Resistance is an anti-draft organization. And they had this really cool strategy. I, I love how, like, I kind of, like, thought I knew about Vietnam War resistance in the United mm-hmm. States. You know, and I just like keep finding new things that they did. And there was like that, that were like involved. Mm-hmm. And so what resistance did is they went up to Jersey near an army base. They bought a coffee house and they ran a coffee house for soldiers. And then the pacifists would come up and hang out and talk to on duty soldiers or off duty soldiers. But, you know, active duty soldiers, whatever. Yeah. Befriend them ask them what's wrong with their life, talk to them about how to get, how to help, and then help them get the fuck out of the military. Yes. And they help deserters and they help draft resistors and they would take people underground and like get people the fuck out of the country. Yeah, the GI Coffee House movement was a huge, um, okay. like it, 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 there were multiple, I believe, under, yeah. I mean, during Vietnam War. There, there's a great documentary that sort of fell into this like nether regions of before, like, before documentaries like looked good, but um, <laughs> there was like a you know moment in between like 2005 and six when it was mm-hmm. like, ooh, if we had just waited three years, this would actually look way better. But it's called mm-hmm. Sir No Sir, and it's about GIs resisting the war and okay. GI organizing. And yeah, coffee houses were a thing, and it, they could yeah. be like right outside of bases, and so like GIs could have a place to go and not feel like you know an officer was breathing down their necks, and they could like talk about you know w- how fucked the war in Vietnam was. Yeah, that I love how many different things were involved. Like, 
I mean, still at the end of the day, I think that the Vietnam War was stopped by the U.S. being militarily defeated by the Vietnamese. But it sure helped that everyone was trying everything to, like, yes. disrupt this, like, horrible... Anyway, so so resistance, it's not working. I mean, it's working, but it's not enough. The war keeps going. And since he was a pacifist, he's realizing, he's watching the entire anti-war movement as 60s come to a close realizing that this shit isn't working, more and more of them are arming up and rioting harder and not being pacifists. And I have, I think both sides are great in this particular thing. But like, for him, this doesn't work, right? He's like looking at this and he's like, shit, the sort of liberals aren't doing enough, but then the people who want to take things further are doing it in a direction that doesn't work for me. Who is getting more and more hard, but in a way that remains pacifists? The Catholic left. Mm Mm-hmm. So, William, who is a secular Jew and he's not Catholic, which is, I think, why within this movement, like there's a book called Burglar for Peace, and I don't have the name of the author right in front of me, which is terrible. In that book, he constantly refers to the movement not as the Catholic left, but as ultra-resistance. And so, and I I think it might be because my guess, I don't know, is that because it was um, heterogeneous or whatever. Anyway. He goes and he joins it, and he becomes a burglar for peace. He's stealing draft cards at night, and everyone assumes he's Quaker or Catholic because those are the two largest groups within this this thing. Rumors about FBI infiltration are all over the place, and so this is on his mind too. FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover had just come out to the press about this growing anarchist menace, the East Coast conspiracy to save lives. (laughs) He specifically Ooh. said, I know, right? I love it. I love the East Coast Conspiracy to Save Lives is the name of the evil anarchist terrorist group or whatever. Quote, this is a militant group self-described as being composed of Catholic priests and nuns, teachers, students, and former students who have manifested opposition in Vietnam by acts of violence against government agencies and private corporations engaged in work relating to U.S. participation in the Vietnam conflict. He says this like, but is." But it's like a bad thing to him. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just I funny. Mean, the, Hoover was the closest we got in this country to, you know, having our own dirty war internally. You know, like, yeah. like Hoover wanted to do what the military juntas in Argentina and in Chile successfully did to, again, the first line of everyone who's always involved in social justice work, which is clergy, pre, you know, people in, yeah, religious folks, as students, teachers, like that always, constantly, 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 constantly throughout time, right? Yeah. Um, yes, workers are in there, but especially when it comes to pacifist movements, the only difference is like, you know, again, those were dirty wars internally and, you know, he he was like, ooh, look, they disappeared 30,000, we could do 40, you know, he really <laughs> wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he I mean, I mean, he, yes, you know, hundreds of people, if not through the, I mean, mil- millions in the Vietnam War, but he got his way in terms of, as we talked about COINTELPRO and the and the groups that he undermined and the deaths that eventually did occur in them, you know, under yeah. the shadiest circumstances. But he wasn't allowed to go full throttle, you know, as yeah. his little heart desired. Which is the one nice thing about checks and balances and why, you know, democracy is a preferable system to live under sure. than, than many. Um the one thing, the, the 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 things that Hoover got wrong in his statements, uh, one is that he was wrong about the violence part, although I think in this case he's probably referring to like 
the violence of damaging property or whatever, you know. Or of the Marxist mind virus that's violent. Yeah, totally. And then he was sort of wrong about the anarchist part. It's kind of funny because he's absolutely using it as like a boogeyman word. Mm -hmm. But the Catholic workers uh, were started by the anarchist Dorothy Day in the 30s. And then the Berrigans, uh, one of them got referred to as sometimes anarchists, always pacifists. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but overall, you know, he's using it as the boogeyman. And he also, he mentioned the Berrigan brothers by name in this statement, not the part I quoted, as leaders of a plot to blow up steam pipes in Washington, D.C. and kidnap Henry Kissinger. If only, I'm sorry, no, I know. just kidding. <laughs> no, I know. It's like, <laughs> Hell yeah, what? No, no, not them. Definitely not the Berrigans, but that's yeah. outside. Yeah, and they're also in prison. Can we still do that? <laughs> I, uh, so anyway. Um, <laughs> no, look, first of all, I obviously uh-huh. would never blow anything up to get to Henry Kissinger. Yeah. I would tie a million helium balloons to one mm-hmm. of his ankles and have him float away like the dude in Up. Yeah, and everyone just waves goodbye. And you could have like this the picture of like the one little girl with a red balloon, like watching him float away into Yeah. To be yeah. Honest, instead of the sunset. All you need to sun. do is say you have a company that uh a fake blood company that diagnoses things that he can invest in, he'll run right over. Was he a Theranos investor? He was Shut a Theranos. up. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> of course he was. Uh, that's all. That's all you have to do is bait him with some 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 grift, and he's like, "I'm in." <laughs> Amazing. Fuck uh, that little troll, dude. He's still around. He's still around. Still I around. I know. Almost everyone else in this story is dead by now. Not everyone. Some of these people are still alive, but but the one guy who persists. Yeah. Uh, the good die young. We've talked about this. I mean, this is yeah. This is knowledge. Common knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Henry Kissinger did not believe in the plan to kidnap him. Uh, he laughed about, in the media, he laughed about, quote, sex starved nuns. But who he believed in Theranos. Sorry. Okay. I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait. That's outlandish. I don't know what Theranos is. is okay. This Theranos the, is yeah. the Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, uh, she started the company that where it's like if you prick your finger, your blood, it could diagnose things, but it was all a lie. Yeah. And she stole the people's money. The only woman grifter we have who should be celebrated as a female there's grifter. A, there's a great behind mm-hmm. the bastards on it. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> if you know, you know. And I'm She's being great. very funny today. <laughs> I must say. <laughs> if you don't know, I sound like an asshole. <laughs> no. Yeah. I love that you don't know who like who Elizabeth like Holmes is. That's great. That name you know, sounds familiar. Don't let your, Related your to mind, Sherlock, Margaret, I think. be tainted. Don't be yes. Don't yeah. be don't be th- let's focus on the Berrigans and the David Dins. Okay. Yeah. And the sex-starved nuns who are going to kidnap Kissinger, which is what he told the press. They can't keep their hands off me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it's like, but yeah, it's just like this, these sex-starved and, nuns. And so no one in the government believed that these pacifists who are in prison were going to blow up D.C. and kidnap Kissinger. But it was a convenient lie. The FBI got enough money to hire a thousand new agents who were called the Berrigan 1000 within the Bureau. Holy shit. Right? What a kind thousand? of honor? Yeah. Yeah. Which is out of like, I think there's like about seven or 8,000 before that. So this is a really major additional Do you know chunk. how many FBI agents are on like the January Sixers now? 
probably three. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, again, yeah. not tit for tat. We've been over this. I do not yeah. wish, you know, all of these tactics to be used on any community, no matter how yeah. heinous they are, because yeah. fuck the FBI. But still, the white nationalists have like like a, a cool five people dedicated to stopping the many militias that are starting as yeah. I speak. Yeah. And then another a cool 15 setting up militias for, you know, in case That's we need exactly. them. They're just in our back pocket. Exactly. They work in separate wings of the FBI. Yeah, totally. Keep their Every now down. and then they have really awkward conversations where like Soup one's infiltrating talk. the same group as the other one, but for opposite reasons. Oh my God. Twinsies. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so one U.S. representative called bullshit on this. Uh, this guy, William Anderson. And he's really interesting. I'm not going to give him a whole ton of time, but he was this World War II submarine hero who was famous for commanding the first trip under the North Pole in a submarine. So he's kind of like a a Neil Armstrong guy. Like he's like, because he's a famous explorer before that all just got, one person won, right? One person went to the moon and everyone forgot about everyone else. And he had been super pro-war until he'd actually gone to Vietnam and seen how evil the U.S. was being. Like, he goes to Vietnam and they keep being like, come over here and look at this stuff. And he's like, what about those cages full of people? And they're like, no, no, don't go over there. And he goes over there and he sees and he's like, wow, fuck this war. And he comes home and he starts reading books, including by the Berrigan brothers. Mm. And so he goes and he visits them in prison. And he's like, yo, is this true? Are you going to blow people up and kidnap Kissinger? And then he left convinced accurately that they were into nonviolence, like now and forever. So this previously pro-war hero stands up in the House chamber and is basically like, Nixon's full of shit. This is complete and utter nonsense. So, sorry, not Nixon's full of shit. Um, Hoover's full of shit. I get my bastards mixed up. Yeah. Hoover destroyed his career. What? This was it? Yeah. Hoover uh, went and found a madame. He went around and was like, hey, has this guy hired you? And everyone's like, no, I've never seen this guy before in my life. But after asking like uncountable numbers of sex workers and madams and stuff, one person was like, I don't know, maybe he like kind of looks like someone I once saw, maybe. And so Hoover like splashes this everywhere, destroys this guy's reputation, destroys his career. Anderson went from winning 82% of the electorate in his district, which I completely forgot where is, to losing his re-election campaign because Hoover, because he stood up to Hoover. I was muted on the Zoom, but you couldn't hear when you said, Anderson, my Anderson made a growl. She was like, (laughs) how dare you defame me? (laughs) Well, this was a good Anderson. These are both good Andersons. So Anderson's career was ruined, not Hoover's. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. I see. I yeah, see. Yeah, I thought, yeah, sorry. I, yeah. No, yeah. Oh, of course. No, it was just, yeah, whistleblowers are going to get, you know, completely cut off. Even though this guy yeah. was a fucking hero or like yeah. did something pretty amazing. Yeah. And all Hoover did was, uh, you know, target a bunch of priests. Yeah. Yeah. And black people. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great. Everything is great. Uh, the U.S. has always been good and will continue to be good. <laughs> Do good things throughout the world. <laughs> Uh, today's hero, the United States government. So <laughs> the FBI went viciously after anyone who questioned them. Um, an author during this time with the nation who dared write maybe the U.S. government should um, should be in charge of the FBI. That was like his like big wild thing. Uh, Hoover had the IRS sicked on him and like I don't think it actually destroyed his career, but he like 
got torn down in a million different ways and Hoover just like went after him. But do you know who probably isn't the IRS or Hoover? <laughs> Reagan's gold coins. <laughs> I know. God, the ads have been getting worse lately. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> but, you know. No, they're, they're good. This is, this is cool stuff. Oh, right. Yeah, this that's, yeah, cool people like you buy cool stuff, like literally whatever comes after this that we fully support. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. So it became clear to the movement at this point that the FBI is investigating them and that the rumors of infiltration are likely true. And more and more people are realizing, well, Congress isn't going to investigate the FBI because people who say maybe Congress should have the power to oversee the government are having their lives ruined. Mm -hmm. So our guy, William Davidon, He's like, all right, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? I, I will investigate Come the on, FBI. Bill. Yeah. Investigate. Hell yeah. This is on you. Which are mild manners. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's, there's even some details about how mild-mannered he is through this whole thing. It's, it's great. Because some of the other people are like wild hippies or whatever. And he's just like the physicist guy. Mm -hmm. So he figured Hoover is at his heart a bureaucrat. And you know what bureaucrats love more than anything else? It's not goods and services. They love paperwork. Yes. Hard on for spreadsheets. Yeah. And physical ones because it's 1970. At this point, probably 1970. 
And so he's like, I bet that guy has a shit ton of paperwork and I bet he makes all of his agents report in detail on fucking everything they do. Yes. He was right. This was a hunch. Like, eight people risk everything on William's on a hunch. hunch. Yeah. On, on Hoover being uh, like a absolute, like, stick up the ass fucking yep. nerd for paperwork and report and like suspicious yep. and detail oriented, but on some yeah. like, I'm going to have a whiskey and yeah, read over yeah. your reports and you missed I's and T's and all that. Yeah. Now you, you just, cause he also destroys the work, you know, I think we talked about last time he destroys the careers of everyone he doesn't like within his own organization sure. too. And so we've all seen heist movies. Uh, I hope because they're the best kind of movie. I don't know if that's actually true, mm-hmm. but they're one of the best. This is Ocean 69. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 71. What, what year are we? So, damn it, Ocean 71. Well, so 70 is right now, but the crime happens in 71. They take a while to plan. But you first need a team. So he goes and he recruits a team. It's great. There's one guy who's obvious to recruit. You can imagine it as the movie, right? There's like the one guy that shows him in vignette. And then what they realize, John Peter Grady, This guy has led a ton of draft board burglaries. He is a natural leader. He's charismatic. His courage is infectious. Um, He is probably the main reason people, at least in that area, maybe in general, were doing these burglaries anyway. So William was like, no, we can't have him. It's not going to work. Too obvious. Ooh, yeah. And it was the right call. After the burglary, John Peter Grady was the main guy who was investigated as the leader of it. So they didn't tell him a yeah. fucking thing. They all knew him. They didn't tell him a fucking thing. Oh, he must have been mad, but that's okay. You got to cut out the ones got heat on him. I know. And I bet you in the end, he was like, oh, God, I'm glad that one wasn't me because I'd be in prison. Although, you know, depending on his religious affiliation, he might have been perfectly fine and happy to be in prison or whatever. So William gets together his team. He's got to convince them that it's possible and it seems like it'll never work, right? Because this is part of why... Hoover is able to keep all this paperwork because he thinks he's invincible, you know? Mm. He gets together eight people aged 19 to 44, and they come from all walks of life, except that probably all of them were white, but the book didn't say, and so that's why I'm assuming they were all white because of, I don't know. But then again, there's this thing where sometimes... Sure, and one of them's an acrobat, of course, that can fit into very small places, you know, sort of like like yeah. into like a suitcase, just like in Ocean's, you know, 11. Yeah, right? yeah. One of them's really tall. They do have a locksmith. Oh, love it. Yeah. Four of them are parents, which rule. They also, they weren't tight or anything with each other, um, which I think played out very well for them in terms of how they survived the investigation. Yeah, is anyone fucking anyone else here? Because that would really ruin this, all right? There's one married couple. But that's it. Both of them. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a polycule because polycules can't get shit done. No, I mean, polycules can get shit done very briefly, but it is not a stable setup. Not a uh, good working relationship. Yeah. Yeah. If you've been in a polycule for 35 years, go rob the FBI. You owe it (laughs) to each other. It'll bring the spark back. Yeah, they've been investigating you for a long time. Like, I don't get this. I know. Polycule work. Yeah. So John Raines was a religion professor at Temple University, 
who had ridden with the Freedom Riders, the people who had forced integration into the South after after integration on like public transit was um was federally mandated, but it was not actually happening. A lot of people uh, consciously chose to desegregate the buses and. Some people like died for it and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hear more about them in the armed civil rights episodes we did last year. While doing that, he'd been arrested. And he actually almost got lynched from jail, as in uh, people stealing him out of custody to do harm to him. But a local black farmer put up his farm as bail to get him out before anything happened to him. Yeah, so he's seen some shit. His wife, Bonnie Rains, who ends up being the one to keep him courageous, actually, during it all. She runs a daycare center, and she's a grad student studying child development. They decided right after their marriage in 1962, so they've been together for about eight years at this point at least, um, they decided that they were willing to risk their freedom in order to oppose injustice, which is the kind of conversation you need to have with your partners. Yeah. And the couple, they spent days agonizing over whether or not they are going to throw down in this because it seemed impossible. But in the end, they were like, all right. We're going to do it. This William's is like pre-tablet because, too. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just like leave a kid mm-hmm. with a tablet and, you know, go and uh, like bring yeah. in the FBI. You know what I'm saying? She, I like how that she had- Oh, they had, had babysitters. To, exactly. You, she had to set up an entire, <laughs> yeah. you know, fucking daycare center as this long con mm-hmm. to get to the FBI because someone's got to do childcare for militant mama. Yeah. And I love her. Yeah. No, totally. And, and the- she comes up a lot. I don't think she was named in the book. The There's one book about all this. We'll talk about why in a little bit. It's called The Burglary. And the, I don't remember if the babysitter gets named, but she comes up a lot because childcare matters during all of this. William's wife is in on it, but she doesn't doing it. Basically, because he's like not trying to hide shit from his wife because he's a decent wife guy of history, which is my... Um, Sophie and I's current project that we're working on is Decent Wife Guys of History. I love that. And I, I don't know like if she even halfway, learned. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, totally. Halfway The bar's on the floor, you picked up guys. your feet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, I love that. I want like a coin collection. Speaking of coins, we should <laughs> replace Reagan with those dudes. Get David in on there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um and so she she decides, she's like, look, I'm not going to stop you, but this is idiotic. I'm not having anything to do with this. The next person, Keith Forsyth, he's an easy sell. Uh, he was more or less a full-time hippie anti-war guy who drove a cab part-time to fund his revolution hobby. Mm-hmm. And William was like, hey, bud, you want to break into the FBI office? And Keith was like, I don't know, is that possible? And William was like, well, I checked out two of them. The one in Philly is a no-go. But there's a small one in this town called Media, which is outside of uh, outside of Pennsylvania. It's in Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. Mm, love the name. Pennsylvania has too many long names that start with P. It's true. Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, and Philly, Philadelphia are all the same word, so it's hard to distinguish between they them. They are now. the same word. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you agree. I with agree. Me oh, completely. Keith is like, all right, let me go check it out. And he drives over to Media, and he goes, and he like, walks into the building because the office is like kind of in an apartment building on the ground floor. You like got to walk into the ground floor to a shared hallway. And he just looks at it and he looks at the locks and he's like, yeah, all right, I can pick that lock. And he leaves and, you know, um, and he's in. I'm sorry, sir, can I help you? Nope. Just checking. <laughs> Peace, yeah. man. Like, 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Probably dressed as a hippie the whole time and like mm-hmm. um, with his cab out front. Totally. And then there's Bob <laughs> Williamson. <laughs> there's Bob Williamson. And it is not fair to my brain that there's a William Davidon and a Bob Williamson. It was very confusing. There's also same name. Bob and Bill are the same name. Bob had dropped out of college to focus on ending the war as someone who dropped out. I dropped out of college to focus on anarchy. So I love you, Bob, even though your name is entirely forgettable. But maybe this is why they were never caught is they all have these impossible to remember names. Yeah, Bill or Bob, you know, William? No, Billy. Billy B. Damn it. They probably were looking for a a Davidson. And then they were like, oh, there's no Davidson. No, there's no Davidson. No, we got a Den. Yeah. That's not a real name. Nobody's named David Den. <laughs> not here. Never heard of it. Must be foreign. Yeah. Yeah, some scary. Uh, so Bob was a social worker to fund his revolution hobby. William was like, hey, Bob, do you want to do this shit? And Bob was like, yeah, that's what I was born for. Let's do this shit. There's a couple more in the team. There's Susan Smith. And this one, I want to be like, what the fuck? This name is too forgettable. But this one, that's actually the point. This is a pseudonym. She never gave her real name to the journalist. Wasn't Susan Smith the woman who killed her kids also? Or is that that like... Oh, God, I don't know. At some point, I mean, you know, sometimes women do bad stuff too. Let's that's see. true. Yeah. Murdered her two sons. Different, but anyway, I am this, assuming this is a different Susan was, Smith because this one's a fake name. First of all, this one was in '94. This is very different, but sorry, yeah. that's where Susan Smith, yeah. which is yes, like objectively the most yeah. nondescript name. Yeah, we don't know too much about her. She didn't talk as much about her life and stuff. I do know that she once built a cabin in the woods by herself to teach herself carpentry before all of this, which I did too, and so I think it's fucking awesome. Yeah, but did you use the internet? Yes, I relied heavily on YouTube. (laughs) I assume Susan Smith relied heavily on YouTube as well. I mean, how else would you learn how to build your own cabin? Thank you. You're right. You're right. Both of you used YouTube. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. She went to their physicist friend, got a time machine, went forward in time, used YouTube, and back in time, built the cabin. Probably how she bought David in an S for his name. And uh, the rest is history. <laughs> on Sesame Street, from yeah, exactly. a guy with an S in his coat. <laughs> uh huh. Just went to fucking Wheel of Fortune. Not yet a show. Yeah. Got an, him an S. Brought yeah. it back into the seventies, and we're good to go. No yeah. one's gonna mispronounce your name. No, exactly. She took some convincing that she wanted to do the burglary, not because she didn't want to, not because she thought it was impossible, but because she was actually more of the stand around and get arrested type. Uh, but when Ship needed burglaring, she was willing. And then you got Ron Durst, another pseudonym. Uh, he was a grad student. He's in. And then the last recruit is Judy Feingold. And she's 19 years old. She's a Quaker lesbian activist living in women's housing cooperatives. Nice. And she was the only one who had never broken into a draft board before. And she's in. You know, I just want to say that um, when you just give the backgrounds of all these people, it reminds me of a Mm -hmm. thing I learned, you know, during the Iraq war and sort of being an activist and looking back and my all my mentors are from this decade, from this, you know, anti-Vietnam war generation. And the fact that you could do things part time and still live and survive and still be an activist where I mean, it's (laughs) it's the reason why they do, you know, like. Corporations are obviously in cahoots with government to squelch us and 
squeeze us even more than we can because they, they do not want anyone with any time on their hands to act to activate and to organize for a better condition. Like that's it. People were on yeah. wealth. Uh, yeah. People were living on welfare using food stamps um, and living in like collective houses where they could like plot how to stop the Vietnam war, plot how to like start revolution and do yeah. cool shit. And like, and, yeah. and, and there is nothing wrong. Again, the vast majority of people who are on food stamps are not revolutionaries plotting revolution, but it was an added perk. And yes. for sure, the ass wipes of history, uh, like Hoover, definitely ensured that in the future, no longer would we be free enough to work part-time jobs, potentially, you know, be on food stamps and then plot revolution in the spare time. That's all I wanted to say. There's just less of a social safety net now. And I think it's no, by it's, design. I It makes sense because like the socially conservative People, it's it's one of the reasons why I don't agree with accelerationism, right? Is this idea like things don't have to get worse before they get better. That's not true. Yeah, when, um, <laughs> when did that happen? Um, like, so like yeah. that's the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Sorry, but that's the whole thing with like, you, when you realize when Nixon came to power, you know, or like, or, no, yeah, or yeah, exactly. When Nixon came to power, it was like the height of the fucking anti-Vietnam War movement. Um, like. And anyway, all to say, like, yeah. we made such a rightward heel turn with him when at a moment when so many revolutionaries thought we were going to go in a different direction, yeah. um, that the war was going to end when it didn't. And then Reagan came along and it's like, no, nah, man, th things don't, they actually get progressively worse. Now we have just like, you know, the zombified Reagan, you know, in incarnate. Yeah. Which fortunately you can uh, purchase as I'm not going to do an ad transition <laughs> right now. Um, so they form the Citizens Commission to investigate the FBI. That's the name of their group. I love that you have this like the East Coast conspiracy to save lives, the Citizens Commission to investigate the FBI. These are classy names. And they have their security culture down. Normally, all of these draft raids, no security culture. People are loose talking about it, probably because go to jail for justice is like a big part of the culture they're in. Um, but they knew this shit was different. What they were doing was dangerous, hard, likely to fail, likely to fuck up all of their lives forever. Um, it rules that the exact opposite happens. And yeah, most draft raiders were like showing up in like jeans and a t-shirt with like a duffel bag and just to run out with draft cards or whatever. Uh, maybe a ladder or whatever the fuck, you know, hide in a closet, tell some jokes. <laughs> Have a good time. This wouldn't do for the new action. They have briefcases. They have non-hippie clothes. They decided that no one can invite anyone else or tell anyone else, and that afterwards they would never associate with each other again, and they would carry the secret to their grave. They also developed really important security culture protocols like don't sound sketchy over the phone. Don't say things like, oh, I probably shouldn't tell you over the phone. Just don't talk about shit like that over the phone. Yeah, just don't talk about shit. Yeah. Um, it's very good that they had this protocol. The FBI was absolutely tapping all of their phones. Yeah. And yet they still pulled this off. They picked March 8th, 1971 as the date so that everyone, including cops and neighbors, would be distracted by the fight of the century. Because Muhammad Ali is back in the story. Oh, shit. The guy who got the championship belt after it was stripped from Ali, his name is Joe Frazier. And he had never beaten Muhammad Ali. So people were kind of like, I mean, like, yeah, I guess you're the heavyweight champion of the world. I mean, you, 
you didn't beat the last one. Mm-hmm. But you know, whatever. You got the belt. It's shiny. It's just a nice belt. <laughs> Muhammad Ali had defended the title nine times before this successfully. So no one believed that Joe Frazier was the heavyweight champion of the world. So Frazier wanted to fight Ali. Frazier put it like this. I went down to D.C. to help Ali get his license back. President Nixon invited me up for tea. Joe, if I do that, can you take him? I said, you dust him off, I'll beat him up. Nixon kept his word, so did I. Jesus. Yeah. It it gets presented sometimes as they were totally fine with each other, and Joe was like, looking out for Ali and helping him get his license back. Um, And it was just because Muhammad Ali was like such an asshole and like talked so much shit. That's why they stopped being friends. But I think that's probably not the whole of it based on this quote. In the Oscar award winning um, version of it, it is definitely Joe Frazier who is the protagonist and helps Muhammad Ali um, re- oh, revive really? his career. No, I'm saying in the future. Okay. In the future. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Well, because yeah, exactly. Just because you know, a la Green Book, a la Crash, a la all of the other sort of like whitewashed, you know, versions of history where like white guy yeah. come to the rescue. Oh, Joe's actually black too. Is is worth knowing? God damn it! But forget everything he's I also, just said. No, in no, fact, but, delete all that. It, it, yeah, completely delete. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to. Okay. But one of the things that's interesting, and he's kind of the, like, he's presented as the great white hope, even though he's a black man. Mm. And so we'll get into some of the complicated stuff of that. Well, fuck it. Okay, so, like, so Frazier's billed as the great white hope for humanity or whatever fucking nonsense because Ali was into black power and was Muslim. The two had kind of been friends for a while, but then they let the division get to them. Did Frazier serve? Did he go to Vietnam? This is a question. No, he didn't. Neither one served. However, he wasn't anti-war. So then he was like... Right. Yeah. The world wanted to see them fight real bad as basically left versus right, or rather revolution versus the establishment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. By the way, it's very sad that I don't know my history, but Joe Frazier is just like the whitest sounding name. Okay, keep going. Oh, no, no. I, I Yeah, I understand. Also, he's literally being presented as the Great White Hope, which I feel bad for him in terms of that and he after all of this Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier have a complicated relationship where often they do become friends again Mm -hmm. and I think that this is like not Joe Frazier's fault is my best he was utilized he was used as a sort of tool to yeah for all the things it's I mean it's funny because we have a culture war now and it's amazing we think it's new it's not it's super (laughs) old it was the culture war then yeah yeah exactly this is the biggest deal sporting event in modern history. There might have been Coliseum shit that compared. Who knows? <laughs> it gets referred to as the greatest sporting event in history. But I don't know. I mean, Coliseum's really big. I don't know. Anyway, so it's a really good night to go rob a place Indeed. while the two of them are fighting. A bunch of other burglars realize this exact same thing, actually. And like... The next morning, the FBI agent was like late to getting into the office to realize it'd been burglarized because he'd been going dealing with the the effects of these other like bank robberies that had happened That's in town. So good. I secretly hope it was some of our burglars' friends who were like, "Yo, if you want to rob a bank, I yeah, mean, we're planning this it. other thing. You know, it's not really about peace or whatnot, but we're gonna get rich and stay out of jail. Anyone?" And they're like, "No, yeah, we're yeah. going, <laughs> doing it for peace." Yeah, 
Or you could rob a bank so that you could afford the fine goods and services that sponsor this podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. So for three months, more nights than not, they go over to the Reigns household, the married couple, and they eat dinner. Then some of them would drive out to media and case the place every single night, which seems kind of like overkill, but I know nothing about burglary and these people pulled off one of the most impactful ones in history. So I guess it's what to do. Mm-hmm. They tracked regularities, what time neighbors came home, how many cars came down the street when cops drove by and patrol, what time bars closed nearby, all kinds of shit. They also tracked irregularities, how often random shit happened. But they decided in the end they could only control for regularities and then the fact that irregular shit happened, they just would have to take their chances. And they did this casing in male-female pairs so that if anyone saw them, they could just like make out and be like, oh, we're just like making out in a car. It's like totally not case in the FBI headquarters. Does, does media still exist as an FBI headquarters or as an FBI like outpost? Do we know? I don't know. Someone knows. It does get, a lot of the offices get closed after this uh, particular thing. Okay, okay, sorry, keep going. What? Yeah, yeah. And so, okay, they go and they check it out. They go and check out what's going on. Then they go back home. They go up to the attic of the Reigns' house and they tack notes on the wall and maps and shit, probably like connecting everything with string and staring excitedly at the camera like the guy from the meme. They planned a getaway route. Yeah, I just, I love their vision board. It's such a good vision board. They planned getaway routes, entrances, all of it. A bunch of the burglars started crashing at the in the attic on couches, probably all the hippies who 
drove cabs part-time or whatever. But a couple weeks into it, on January 12th, 1971, our man William Davidon, he gets named as an unindicted conspirator in the bullshit case that Hoover was building, the blow-up steam tunnels and, like, kidnap Kissinger thing. Oh, come on. Keep Davidon out of your mouth. You probably call him Davidson anyway. I know. So they're busy trying to break into the FBI headquarters, and meanwhile, the guy who brought them all together, who's presented as the leader and might have been, it's hard to tell with historical things, everyone wants to pick a leader, but his name is all over the papers. This is not the best. No. But no, he they, keeps they just doing his him. usual shit. Now he stays in. Ooh, interesting. I know. So David and keeps doing his usual shit. Like he's in Puerto Rico protesting the Navy or some shit Hell while yeah. he's in the middle of planning this whole thing. I love him. Yeah. Hiding in plain sight has been an effective strategy for centuries. Indeed. And they just keep going. Fuck it. Decide not to worry about William's brush with fame. The lock guy, Keith, he made his own lock picks for this so that there was no way to trace the purchase back to anywhere. Mm. No way to be like, oh, it's this type of lock pick. Smart. He bought two locks similar to the five-pin tumbler on the door of the FBI office. And then in full, not even Ocean's Eleven, maybe Ocean's Eleven, there's like full Fast and Furious moment. They hang drywall in the attic and install a replica of the door so Keith can practice. I fucking love that. I love that so yeah. hard. You know, this is the thing with like smartphones and all the data collection mm-hmm. is like you just can't pull off the FBI break-in that you want. You know, you just very, very difficult uh, nowadays. And also that's why the cashless system is anti-revolutionary, counter-revolutionary. You know, it's like yeah. they have us, you know, using our fucking uh, Apple Pay and credit cards. You can be traced in a second. Yeah. Buy with cash. Yeah. Or DIY, as Keith did. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, even they try and get that kind of record later. They case the inside, too. There's a previous one, but time is short, so I'm going to go over the main time they case the inside. Bonnie Rains, she called up, and she's like, Hi, I'm a student, and I was wondering if I could interview someone for about 30 minutes about the FBI's hiring practices. Mm. The FBI was not hiring women agents at this point, but it was like around the time they were starting to consider it. So there's, I think, I think that's kind of the vibe she's going for. They say yes. She goes in two weeks before the burglary and she plays the role of the kind of dumb girl who flatters the guy a lot, which men always fall for. I'm this, that's like my whole persona. It's amazing how consistently this works that's and my persona whenever i do like you know yeah. field pieces if i have to play the i'm the journalist mm-hmm. and get disarm people and then smile and pretend like you yeah. don't understand yeah yeah but it's so then ask them why they're massive pieces of shit yeah oh i don't mean that in a bad oh, way oh it's not embarrassing I, for you yeah no no, no no it's embarrassing for them exactly yeah that that, that it that men always fall for it is what's embarrassing yeah she wears gloves the whole time to avoid leaving fingerprints. Ooh. It's February in Pennsylvania, so it must have gone unnoticed. Very unnoticed, yes. She wore her hair up in a way she'd never worn it at any anti-war demo. So whenever she went to an anti-war demo, she kept her hair in two braids. Um, but she like wore it up in a very different way in order to be avoid match to photos, which l- literally saved them. All of these details saved them because there was a massive investigation. And she went in and she was like, hi, receptionist guy, can I see an application form to get him to go to the filing cabinet to see if it was locked or not? 
she, which it wasn't. She visually traced every single wire she saw to figure out which ones were phones, which ones were air conditioners, and that none of them were alarm wires. Uh, she saw that the second door to the hallway was blocked by a huge, heavy filing cabinet. She just fucking does it. She's just such a good job casing the place. And then a few days before it, another really big bad thing happens. Someone chickens out. There was a ninth person who was never even named it all this. I think his name's Peter or something. He backs out, even though he knows all of it and he could have exposed them. They kept they keep going. And then this part feels like I'm making it up. I'm not. Right before it, like a couple days before it, William Davidon, who he's invited to the White House to meet Kissinger. Yes, yes, go, go. Yeah, but yeah. Wh- why? Like as an olive branch? What are they? What? Why do they want him? We need a physicist. It's a. It's like a publicity stunt to show sure. that he's. It's. It's one. It's to show that he like is talking to the anti-war left because Kissinger at this point is playing both sides. This is before Kissinger is just a like bomb him on, let him God, let God sort him out. He's doing that, but he's like, oh, I, I really hate that I'm bombing everyone. It's so hard for right, me. I don't want to be. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I love that. I Yes, I love that he's, oh, this guy's mild-mannered. Let's let's invite him. That'll yeah. be a great photo opportunity. And it's also to show that he's not afraid of the kidnapping plot. Oh, God. We're still on that, uh-huh. Yeah. So, William Davidson, Davidon, Goes in with someone whose name is frustratingly David Sin rather than Davidin. Stop. I think his History name is Tom, but to I'm not stop. sure. They need more names. You can't they just take a letter out and call it a new name. Absolutely. Talking to you, George R. R. Martin. And <laughs> and then a nun who whose name I didn't write down because I'm a jerk because it didn't. I only reason I wrote down Davidson's name is because it annoyed me. They talk about the war. The anti-war activists are like, the war is bad. Kissinger's mm-hmm. like, I'm listening to what you're saying. Mm. And then, um, oh, and then the whole time, like, um, David comes in with buttons in his bag that say, kidnap Kissinger, question mark. And everyone finds it hilarious. So the guards put on kidnap Kissinger, like, badges. What? Is this yeah. like, he's like, I was going to tell a really long joke about it, but I just, uh, my wife said you're just to make buttons instead, so... I Kissinger? think that's probably what happened. Who, me? Yeah. Yeah. That's really Couldn't funny. Be. Wait, what? He brought buttons and kidnap Kissinger? What happened? Like, why? What did they, did they freak the fuck out? No, he, so he goes through the, the metal detector and it picks up the buttons. So they take them out and they all have a laugh and the guards put on the badges They're and like, wear them the whole time. Do this. Yeah. And then they get chewed the fuck out later by higher ups for having done this. So, and then, you know, they left. Kissinger went on to keep blowing up innocent people everywhere and frustratingly live. That's a thing he's famous for, Mm -hmm. still being alive. Uh, One day, if you're listening to this in the future, maybe you can look back and smile and say that things have changed. Then the day came. The rains are a bit late because their babysitter was late, which is the most relatable part of this whole thing. (laughs) John, the husband guy, he's sick with worry. Uh, I feel you, John. They all meet up at a motel they rented. One of them rented this place with their legal name. It's sort of a miracle this didn't get them caught. Oh, whoa. Totally against protocol. Yeah. 
the thought was that they were like, if we do this, it'll like seem more like more normal. We have nothing to hide or whatever. But like, it's like literally they like cross reference the names of everyone who checked out hotels in that area versus like names of suspects and anti-war people. And it's like literally a coincidence that, or literally luck that it wasn't noticed, you know? And Susan Smith, the one who, not the murderer, but the one who built yeah, the cabin in the woods. About that. Mm. This was the first time in years she'd worn a skirt and it was the last time she ever did so in her life. Oh, bless um, her. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Madison Square Garden, Ali and Fraser meet up to duke it out, and the world was glued themselves. They glued themselves to radios and TVs. 300 million people were watching or listening. All over the world, people are watching, except in the U.S., because you're not allowed to watch it in the U.S. Excuse me? The promoters wanted as much money as possible, so you could only watch it in the U.S. by going to the Madison Square Garden or going to one of 300 theaters that was broadcasting it. So people in the U.S. were glued to their radios. I know. Other countries, literally entire governments would pay in order to let it get broadcast for free to their population. Oh, we've been nickel and diming people on this paper. They didn't even have pay-per-view at that point. It's like the precursor to pay-per-view. Yeah, But I'm sure people were listening on the radio. Not even? Is it one of those like if you... No, everyone's everyone's listening on the radio. Thank God. Um, Which is how we know about COINTELPRO is because everyone was too busy <laughs> listening to the radio to notice a, lo- a break-in. Keith, the lockpick, goes first. His job is to open the door and then get the fuck out of there. He has mm. a briefcase of tools. Each one's wrapped to keep it silent. He has normal leather gloves over rubber gloves underneath because he needs to take off the leather gloves in order to pick the lock. And he picks the lock. And then he noticed there was a second lock too, which he hadn't noticed. And it was a high security lock that he couldn't pick. Mm. So he freaks out. He goes back to the hotel and he's like, what the fuck are we going to do? And everyone's like, I don't know. What the fuck are we going to do? And then finally they're like, all right, let's just break down the door. Fuck it. Like in for a penny. So he goes back um, and he goes to the second door, the one that has blocked by a filing cabinet. And he rips out the deadbolt with a crowbar. But then... There's the filing cabinet. So he goes back to the car. He gets a long bar for an old-fashioned jack stand. He goes back inside. He lays down on the floor and he like lifts and walks the filing cabinet over with his back on the floor and a long bar under the door. It's really lucky that no one walked by while he's doing this. Uh, I'm sorry, sir. Are are you supposed to be here? It looks like you're yeah. playing limbo with that filing cabinet. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, just... Uh, <laughs> You know yeah. how Mr. Hoover is. He's always, there was a paper back here, and I'm just, you're yeah. fine, little miss. <laughs> Don't you worry, yeah. you're pretty little. I hear there's a fight on. I bet you can still yeah. catch the end of it. Yeah. Oh, I exactly. don't really like, I don't really like boxing. Just go watch the goddamn fight. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I mean, listen. <laughs> so, Keith, he gets the filing cabinet out of the way. He goes inside. He moves the filing cabinet a little bit further so everyone can get through. His part is done. He drives off out of the hotel and into history. Well, into obscurity for 40 years and then into That history. is a huge part. More than Keith signed up for. Keith could have called it at any point. Yeah. And instead, he, just, he no, keeps totally. going. Yeah, no. I, I really... That crime brain of like when you're doing something really sketchy as an activist and you're like, well, I'm going to do this. So I really need to disassociate and get this done. It's a powerful feeling that I don't know. I, I don't want to say everyone should have at some point in their life because it sucks. But 
Right. I mean, things things are not going to go to plan and you're like, but I'm not actually hurting anybody. This doesn't, right. I've already picked the lock once. So suspicions on them anyway. Right. Right. Like, totally. So yeah, yeah it, it's not. They're going to get investigated call. no matter what. You no, know, no, yeah. exactly. That's such a, that's such a good point. Four burglars head to the office. They slip inside with luggage sized suitcases in their business clothes and they just rob everything. They take every file out of the place. They rip open the lock cabinets with screwdrivers because some of them are locked, some of them aren't. They work mostly in the dark to avoid flashlights showing through the blinds. There's like one person with a flashlight is going over and like holding his hand over the light as each person needs it. Damn. They don't leave a single fingerprint. They called the motel from the office's phone, which blows my mind in order to give a signal, but it worked. It wasn't, their own phone wasn't tapped, I guess. And it's just some, that's just some 70 year, 50 year ago shit, you know? You couldn't star 69, you dumb dumb. I don't fucking know. Apparently not. I don't exist. know. Ironically, yeah. in 69, star 69, not a thing. <laughs> Should have been star 71. I anyway. yeah, Exactly. And so the rest of them is outside in getaway cars. And then Bonnie, who is really good at playing the like dumb, helpless woman who's smart as shit, she is hanging out outside with her car fake broken down with the hood up. Like being like, oh, how does this work? Getting ready in case a cop or someone comes to distract them by being like. Oh, my buttons come undone as well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's not necessary. They load the suitcases into trunks of cars. They drive away. They go to another parking lot. They swap cars. They split up to reconvene later. And they don't go back to the motel. They go to a farmhouse that they were lent by friends of the podcast, the Quaker community. Hey, the Quakers are like, you need a you need a farmhouse. No questions asked. Of course you can have it. (laughs) Good old Quaker. And one of their final escape cars was an old fashioned station wagon, I think, with the wood paneling and everything. The photo is black and white, so I'm not certain. But I really love those old station wagons with wood paneling. So I want it to be that. It was the Reigns family car. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, that's a perfect family getaway car. Yeah. Nobody suspects yeah. that car. Yeah, exactly. And the whole time, they're like, God, I hope this hunch was right that there's anything worthwhile in these files that we're ripping Ooh. out of some tiny office. And there was. Within an hour, they go to the farmhouse and they all just start pouring through the documents. Within an hour, they make their first discovery. Um, and I think it's worth highlighting that this is the first thing they found because I think it's one of the most important things. They found a memo advising agents to, quote, enhance the paranoia that there's an, quote, an FBI agent behind every mailbox. Mm. They read until 5 a.m., then they went about their lives to avoid suspicion. So, like, everyone's, like, showing up at work the next day Once after they day do this. I think it's fascinating they immediately got mm-hmm. to work. Like, that they... Mm-hmm. Maybe knew they had limited time, but that it wasn't like, right. like their work wasn't done once they got whatever they got from there. They were like, no, 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 we're trying right. to read and digest as much as we can as fast as possible. Right. And I I almost decided to make this a four-parter and didn't do it because there's a bunch of stuff I'm going to skip over here about like how hard it is for them to get anyone to listen to them about this. And like, there's like a lot of, there's a lot more shit. Um one guy, the grad student, he stays to guard the, stu- the documents 24-7 at the farmhouse. And then one of them calls a reporter at 6.30 in the morning from a payphone to announce what they've done. It's a pretty good statement, but one line of it stands out. Quote, 
We believe that a law and order which depends on intimidation and repression to secure obedience can have but one name, and that name is tyranny. That's fucking cool. And one of the mild-mannered things that they do, they actually throw out all the documents that are about, like, regular crime. Mm, nice. They, like, they're, like, not trying to expose all FBI agents or something, right? They're specifically focusing on COINTELPRO, which they don't even sure. know if they, this is how we learn about it. But like, They don't know it exists yet. They're just like, we know your yeah. asses are tapping us. We know that you guys are yeah. on peace activists, civil rights activists. Yeah. So we want to find proof. Yeah. And so they delivered the biggest blow the FBI has ever received. 200 in one night. 200 agents were transferred to Philly to track down the files. They're given so much overtime that they all like bought sports cars and shit. Their first suspect was the reporter because the reporter called the FBI and was like, whoa, is it true that your office was broken into? And they're like, how do you know that? Soon they had three main suspects. The unknown woman who had come in, who, you know, was one of the burglars. That guy, John Grady, who was the obvious would-be leader. And the other guy who dropped out at the last minute, which ah. means it's good that that guy dropped out at the last minute. Hell yeah. Poor guy. He was like, damn it. I know. I could have just done it anyway. <laughs> I know. He was followed 24-7 for months afterwards. Um, soon after, they're investigating every hippie and anti-war protester and Catholic peace activist they can imagine. And it's so unfocused and frantic that it's ineffective because they search, they investigate everybody. They investigate four of the um, burglars, right? But they don't, they're investigating so many people that they don't get anywhere. I mean, this is like, then you, lo and behold, like whatever, 50 years later, you get warrantless wiretapping and like meta, whatever, what was it, metadata? Or like yeah. just like the amount of information yeah. the NSA had or has on us. Yeah. And it's like, to what end, you ding dong? I know, but unfortunately, AI is going to help that for them. Um, God damn it, don't say that. Yeah. Um, two of the people who wound up on the suspect list were the super cool anarchists Noam Chomsky and Howard Zinn <laughs> because they worked with an organization. Oh, Noam Chomsky's still alive. That's another still alive there person. There we go. Come on, Chomsky. Beat Kissinger. Yes, please. God damn it. They worked with an organization called Resist that agreed to accept the documents anonymously and remail them. Four of the actual burglars ended up contacted and investigated to no avail. Um... After the FBI visits, the activists learned what all activists eventually learn. If the FBI visits you, it means they don't have enough evidence to indict you. Mm. If they know you actually did something, they don't visit, they arrest you. So you keep your mouth shut and you'll probably be fine. If you're visited by the FBI, dear listener, politely decline to talk to them. Tell them that if they provide their name and information, that you will have your lawyer contact them. Take their information and then contact a lawyer. The National Lawyers Guild runs a hotline for free legal advice for those who have been contacted by um, by the FBI. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Solid PSA. They mailed out the documents and then agreed to go no contact with each other for the rest of their lives. Except for the husband and wife. I know. So they kind of got lucky because they're the only two who can actually talk to anyone about what the fuck they did. Seriously. Okay. Keep going. Sorry, I'm, I'm enthralled. No, no, no. The homemade lockpicks befuddled the experts because they couldn't identify them. So the feds demanded lists of every student from every lockpicking school in several states. <laughs> lockpicking university? Like, I know. It's, 
Everyone knows the way that you learn lock picking is you watch that guy Deviant Olaf on YouTube and he teaches you how to pick locks. <laughs> like, I don't understand why they didn't just do that. Back in the day, you learn shit by just being bored to fucking tears. And you're just <laughs> fumbling and you're bored and you're bored yeah. and you're ah, you know? Everything was a Rubik's Cube and it should return to be just a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> The burglars tried to copy the documents, but the copier they'd bought for this like well ahead of time was absolute shit. So in order to get rid of the, the copier, because they knew it could be traced, an accomplice drove the shitty machine to Ohio and left it in a friend's garage. Like one of those garages filled with junk in Ohio, you know? Oh, yeah. Where it is probably still to this day. <laughs> I love that. Wait, they bought a cop? That's so much money. That's a huge investment. And, 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 and of course it crapped out. Yeah. So instead, the burglars copy the documents at work, like Solid. just <laughs> you know, um, release their findings bit by bit to the media to draw ever more attention to them. And the Washington broke Post broke the story. Other papers rushed to follow. The FBI's reputation has forever been scarred. People know what they're about now. Well, most people do. Author Max Holland said, far from being invincible, the FBI appeared merely petty obsessed with monitoring what seemed to be, in many cases, lawful dissent. Mm. They shut down COINTELPRO officially. It took a couple years. It was like a bunch of investigations and shit. Um, with the claim that all further disinformation campaigns would be conducted on a case-by-case basis. This okay. may be true, uh, but they do an awful lot of fuckery to this day. The main difference now is that we know their playbook. We know better how to cover it, how to counter it. So they didn't even know what this straight up led to the end of COINTELPRO, at least the actual mm -hmm. official program, the official program, even though, of course, yeah, yeah, they employ similar tactics. That's incredible. So like, yeah. we, we know this is happening. We know our phones are tapped. We know you're infiltrating. We know you are sowing dissent within these organizations you, that have led to straight murders of people. Yeah. Um, we just need the proof. Yeah. And also like the scale of it, right? Like they didn't know about the injecting laxatives into oranges until no. they got these documents, you know, like, like, and it's also awful because they, they found, they found out that there is an FBI agent behind every mailbox, but they also found out that the entire point is to make people worry that there's an FBI agent behind every mailbox, you know? I mean, this is the thing about like, you know, it's so funny about, you know, our, our obsession with foreigners, like meddling mm -hmm. in our democracy. It's like, bitch, yeah. we do that. To yeah. one another, to ourselves. Yeah, like exactly. You know, like cut everyone in on it. You know, the Russians <laughs> and the Chinese, they just want in. It's not like one, lead by example. You know, once yeah. we can quit, then maybe others will quit. Yeah. <sighs> As I, for our heroes. No, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Please tell us of our heroes. Most of them went on living their lives all normal and shit, keeping their heads low. One of them, the 19-year-old Judy Feingold, the, the lesbian Quaker. She mm -hmm. took off with a backpack and a sleeping bag, went out west, and never came back. She lived underground for about a decade, and then she started working in the national parks. She, like, contacted a lawyer and was like, yo, would it be, like, really bad if I had committed the following type of crime 10 years ago to come out? And the lawyer was like, I'm not really sure. Even though the, the statute of limitations was officially five years. Five? Ooh. Yeah. No, I, I know. None of them ever connected with one another again, which is a huge part of how they weren't caught. They finally came forward, most of them, to talk with a journalist named Betty Medsker, who wrote the book about all of this, The Burglary. 
Judy didn't actually come forward until the paperback edition. Basically, a couple people came forward and everyone was like, wait, I thought we weren't going to talk about it. Wait, we're talking about this now? Yeah. Um, And when I say- Until the paperback came out, she's like, "Ah, it's not real until the paperback's out. I'm not going to spend $35 on a hardback (laughs) book. Once the hardback came out, she contacted and was like, all right, me too. Oh, got it, got it, got it. And then she yeah. was included. She was like, okay, and I need, I need a, she was yeah. out there, you know, uh, working the, uh, just like working one of, like, basically I imagine her in like Yosemite or yeah. in like Yellowstone or whatnot, uh, more like Yosemite, just sort of leading tours, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> just kind of like that gray haired, like park ranger hippie lady yeah. who's like, you know, telling you about. The different species of, you know, birds and yeah. the different, like, bark, ty- kinds of bark. And you're like, okay, lady, <laughs> that's enough. Yeah. Yeah, that bit, that's a badass bitch right there. Yeah. That bitch broke into the FBI. Yeah, exactly. I love that you just have to think all of these, like, random people, like, people could have these amazing secrets, you know? Oh, I would definitely work in the national parks for the rest of my life if yeah. I did something like this. Yeah. And when I say keep their heads down, I really mean keep doing what they were doing. Two of them got arrested that same year in 1971 as part of the Camden 28, another Catholic left raid on a draft board. That's right. <laughs> and you have to because that's the best cover. If you just disappeared, right? right? right. If the Because the Berrigans were involved, right? Yeah, not in this actually. Oh, oh not, not in, in the, the, the burglary. Not in the They're burglary. They were involved in the Catholic left. Yeah. Right. But the Davidins. The Davidins. Yeah. Yeah. If the Davidin, if Davidin just stopped doing Davidin stuff. As you soon know, as the FBI got broken into. Yeah, totally. Yeah, people will be like, what the hell? And or yeah. maybe that meeting with Kissinger worked, you know? He's like, I, I converted him. Yeah, maybe Kissinger was secretly behind it the whole time. Like, <laughs> yeah. like secret, secret woke Kissinger, yeah. Um, <laughs> woke Kissinger's <laughs> trying to argue that he's responsible for the anti-Vietnam War movement. He was like, you see, I did yeah. the war, and then then, then now you have the movement. Yeah, exactly. Like, he really wanted to, it was an accelerationist, that's all. I love it. So, the Camden 28, 40 FBI agents watched all of it happen because one of the 28 was a snitch. And so the FBI paid for all their burglary tools and shit. This stuff that we've been talking about, about how the FBI creates these situations. The Camden 28 included priests, ministers, vets, blue-collar workers, middle-aged parents. All 28 agreed to be tried together, and they were facing more than 40 years. They were offered a really light plea bargain, and they refused it. And this is like, that's some hard shit. If someone's like, yo, you can either stand up for your principles and take 40 years, maybe, or get off on probation and say you're sorry. Mm-hmm. I might say I'm sorry. The Camden 28, they're made a harder shit. They all refused the plea bargain. They all decided to be tried together. And sometime during all of this, the, the priests and the nuns started calling it instead of civil disobedience, divine obedience, which I think is a clever Ooh. turn of phrase. And their snitch had a change of heart and testified for the defense, what? revealing even more about how the feds had set everyone up. So, in 1973, two years later, the jury returned a not guilty verdict, which was jury nullification. The jurors were like, we don't care that they did it. They just shouldn't be punished. We're voting not guilty. Wow. And because of the FBI involvement, because... uh, part is a big part of it, I think, yeah. 
Yeah, and basically be people, the fucking, the, the people of the U.S. were sick of this shit at this point, you know? Absolutely. The FBI have been, have been outed as not the good guys. And and yeah. that, I think, is the most important thing. I mean, this is the yeah. heel turn in from, from like, oh, the FBI is like looking out for us or ooh, top secret yeah, stuff. Exactly. That's super cool. Ooh, I'm sure they're going after, you know, like hardened criminals and nope, um, yeah. priests and nuns yeah. and peace activists. And so it's like, we have this moment to thank yep. for just our complete understanding of the FBI in general. Yep. And that's the story of how a bunch of pacifists expose the FBI for what they are by lying on their back in a hallway with a tire iron moving a heavy piece of furniture. Has this been fictionalized? I don't believe so. I think there is a documentary about it. Um, mm. I do this weird thing where I like I consume a lot of media when I prepare things, but I usually don't watch the documentaries. I'm That's not good. sure why. Yeah, I'm like, I think it's like I want to build my own narrative out of things. And then yeah. like, so I go for the books and the articles, sometimes podcasts, but I don't watch the documentaries usually. But no, this would make such a good straight up heist movie. I don't want to, the documentary is probably great. I'm not talking shit. I want to watch the heist movie. Yes, that's what I want to watch. Yeah. Everyone's all like sexed up, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like Luke Wilson is uh, is Keith. <laughs> um, I don't know who that is. Yeah, but. that's why I'm laughing. I was, like, I was like, you can name all these actors. Magpie does not know. <laughs> Bobcat Goldwig will be one of them. Yeah, Goldwig. I know that actor. Goldwig. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he definitely would be involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, who would play the? Who would play David in? Just kind of like, um, nondescript and sweet. I feel like Toby Maguire could do it well. Sophie, I'm tapping you in because you know what's uh, happening. <laughs> I was thinking uh, Michael Sarah. Michael. Oh shit! I know that so one. High. He's huge. I yeah. think Michael Sarah should be the um the lock pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Michael Sarah can be in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like someone who's got to be very like, um, oh, first of all, he did play, he like I think he did play like sort of a very religious Jew in a show that I actually didn't like about like called The Divorce or something. But um, oh my god, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> I fuck fuck it because I'm um I'm blanking on his name. It's fine. We're fine. I want the lesbian love triangle where the um the lesbian Quaker is seducing the white the housewife. Sarah, oh yeah. Sarah Paulson, maybe. Sure. You have no Sarah idea who that Paulson. is. You have no idea no. who that is. That's cool. That's I even cool. watch a lot of movies. I'm just incapable of remembering names or oh, faces. Me too. But also could also be a a, a Shiv from Succession, Sarah Snook. She's so good. She's so good. It's okay, Margaret. <laughs> Anyways, before we confuse Magpie anymore, Francesca, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Yes. Um, I would like to plug the name of this actor. Okay. <laughs> what is it? Oscar Isaac. Oh, my God. It should be Oscar Isaac. Sorry. He's so handsome. He'd be so good as Davidin. That I can't remember. I can't believe I forgot it. Oh, I he can't is remember handsome. anything. I've got 
mom brain. Um, hey, everyone. Oh, he's to from the, Dune. Yeah, he's from Dune. And listen to the Bituation Room podcast. <laughs> That's with me. Follow me on all the things at Franny Fio. Um, and hell yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Margaret. I love, love, love this. Yeah. Thanks we for coming on. More bravery. We need to do this again. I know. Do you think Ugh. they changed the law? Do you think they like do? They got wiser, maybe the FBI, but it was, I love what a, what an ego blow it was. Like I yeah. want yeah. Hoover's, like I want to feel his little like, you know, like he must've been so yeah. mad. Oh yeah. No, I, it, if I had gotten to do the super long version, there's just all of the things about him freaking out about how all this happened and just like doing wild petty shit and closing down all these offices and freaking out. He lost his shit over this. It Stay rules. mad asshole. Yeah. And he died like a year later, unfortunately, unrelatedly. Um, but you know, Sophie, got anything to plug? Yeah, uh, uh, you can uh, buy Margaret's books. Oh yeah, that's my plug. Hell yeah! You can buy my book, Escape from Insel Island, or A Country of Ghosts, or We Won't Be Here Tomorrow, or mm-hmm. some other ones. Um, so perfect. And you can listen. Oh, my other podcast is going weekly. Live like the world is dying. Yeah. If you were like. Man, I I sure love listening to Margaret twice a week. If only I could listen to Margaret three times a week. Well, you can by listening to Live Like the World is Dying on Fridays. And a secret fourth thing that I can't tell you about yet, but you'll be able to listen to me even more. I have no idea what sound effect that was. No, I'm not sure. It's the Sophie Yeah, I tried. (laughs) And we'll be back. We'll be back next week. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Bye. Bye. Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.